Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we're working on tracking down Roddy Jones from the ACC Network, and there's a bunch of good college football games this weekend. Saturday, you've got Florida State Clemson, 12 noon on ABC. That's what the big one inside of the ACC, and for Clemson, it's an opportunity to prove to the world, to the country, that that Duke game was a fluke and that they are still the top dog in the ACC. For Florida State, this is a chance to stamp down that you are the team to beat in the ACC this year. They are the fourth-ranked team in the country, and then they've gotten off to a fast 3-0 and start to this season. ABC, 3.30 p.m. I'm calling this the game of the weekend. Colorado... Number 19 in the country, led by Shador Sanders. Ten touchdown passes in three games to just one interception against Oregon. The 10th-ranked Oregon Ducks are impressive once again on offense this season. The game is in Eugene, Oregon, and right now the line is Oregon minus 21. The last time Colorado was double-digit underdogs, they shocked the country, defeating TCU. Now, it is going to be a... A big hurdle for Colorado to overcome not having Travis Hunter, who plays both sides of the ball for Colorado. And it's going to come down to Deion Sanders coaching up this team. If he can get Colorado an early lead in this game, I believe they have an opportunity in this one. I think it's going to be a shootout. The over-under is set at 69.5. Both offenses are humming, and both teams are top dogs in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, speaking of the Pac-12, good one at 3.30 also on Fox, though. That's 22-ranked UCLA Bruins traveling to Utah to face off against the Utes here. And I'm not sure if Utah is going to have their quarterback back for this game here as uh, he's been hurt throughout the season. And, and this is a guy that they were counting on uh, this year. Yeah, still Nate Johnson uh, making the passes for Utah in their last week's game. It went against Weber State. Uh, continuing here in the biggest college football games of the weekend, number 15, Ole Miss facing off against the 13 seed Alabama. Alabama cannot afford to lose this game here to Ole Miss. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. Alabama at home, the line just six and a half uh, within a touchdown. I think this could be a back-and-forth game that maybe Ole Miss uh, gets the win for. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the ACC Network, it's Roddy Jones. What's going on, Roddy? Not much, man. How are you? I'm doing great. So uh, let's start with the local stories here. We cover UVA and Virginia Tech. UVA against NC State. Brennan Armstrong returns to Scott Stadium. I mean, there's some juicy storylines in this one. How do you think it plays out? Yeah, there really are, man. And I think, um, you know, on the NC State side, it's kind of interesting because they haven't quite found their mojo offensively. Uh, I mean, they hit it a little bit last week with VMI. So so does that continue? Because what we've seen from them offensively the first couple weeks has not inspired a ton of confidence that this will be as explosive an offense as maybe we anticipated it could be at the beginning of the season or before the season started. Um, defensively, they have been, they're good again, defensively, but they've been prone to a few more busts, particularly in the run game than they have been in the past. 
Um, so it is interesting because Virginia has done some good things on the run game. Virginia has shown some some uh, some some ability to make plays on the outside. They've got a really good group of receivers, especially when you look at Malachi Fields and Malik Washington. I think that running back room is really talented, really led by Kobe Pace, although Paris Jones takes the uh, number one carries. So, so it, it's, a, it's an interesting game because Virginia has gone into the last two games. I mean, it's a four, uh, 21-14 game in that Maryland game with them throwing the ball into the end zone when they do the first pick and then three picks on basically three successive throws uh, puts that game well out of reach. But you're in a one-score game in the fourth quarter there. They're leading in the fourth quarter against James Madison. So it's a Virginia team that's really close. Uh, and an NC State team that, if they're not careful, could be gotten. I, I think NC State probably wins just because I think that defense is going to give whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Anthony Kalinger or Tony Musker, some issues. But, but the way Virginia has been playing, they kind of feel like a team is due for one uh, with the way that they've been putting themselves in a position late in games to win. Roddy Jones, ESPN College Football Analyst on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline with us. You mentioned it, the two quarterbacks there, Musket and Calandria. How difficult is it when you don't know if it's going to be you starting or the other guy to prepare for the game? Yeah, it's really different when the guys are extremely – their skill sets are, are, like, widely far apart. Like, for example, with, uh, with, with Marshall this week, um, Grant Wells probably looks a little bit further away to make this uh, from playing to make this a big deal. But if you're preparing for Wells and drones, that's a big deal because of drones' running ability, because of all the things and the possibilities that they have with what they can do with drones in the quarterback run game. Uh, Virginia doesn't do a ton of that with either one, and both of them are mobile enough um, that that I think the main thing you're looking at is stylistically what do they like. Calandria has thrown some really good balls over the middle, but Tony Musket seems to like those dig balls over the middle. And so maybe you are defending those a little bit more. You're a little bit more worried about those. Whereas Calandria is going to take more shots down the field. And so you kind of got to prepare that way. But with the two Virginia quarterbacks, I don't think it's, I don't think it's such a big difference where where defense, where defenses would change um, a lot what they do. Tony Gibson at NC State doesn't do that much anyway. He's going to do what he does. They're going to put pressure. They're going to blitz on just about everybody. Um, but it does make it a little bit different stylistically in terms of what they like to throw. Roddy Jones, ESPN College Football Analyst, will be calling the Virginia Tech game at Marshall. Uh, Grant Wells returns to Marshall, but we don't know who's going to be the quarterback for the Hokies. Uh, what's your breakdown of this game? Yeah, I haven't. We haven't talked to the coaches yet, so I don't have any inside information on who's going to play at quarterback. But from what Brent Pry has said this week from his press conferences, it doesn't seem like Grant Wells is on track to start. Um, will he be available in an emergency, uh, in an emergency capacity? We'll see. But I thought Tyron Jones did some really good things last week. I thought his ability to throw on the run was really nice. They got him out of the pocket a lot because of the struggles that they've had on the offensive line. He threw a couple of really nice deep balls um, that, uh, especially as that game got later into that game, um, that some were caught, some were not, um, which I think Quan Felton is certainly going to want back. Uh, apparently he has taken that, uh, taken that kind of hard this week. But I think you saw enough from Kyron Jones to think, wow, in a first start, he is a guy that can certainly, certainly continue to mature and turn into a really good quarterback. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. Marshall played two games early on. They played uh, Albany week one, and then they played East Carolina, and then they had a bye week. And so this past week, there's no film on them. Like right now, we've we got three opportunities to see what Virginia Tech is. You only have two for Marshall. And so they've kind of been able to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. The quarterback, Cam Pancher, is a really athletic quarterback. I don't think they have quite the, uh, the weapons at receiver that, that they did when Grant Wells was slinging it around. But they've got some capable guys. The real strength of this Marshall team is, uh, is the running back position. Rasheen Ali um, is a really good back, broke a, a long run last week um, and, and really opened up the scoring there for, for Marshall. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be low scoring. I don't think this is a game that ends up being in the 30s for both teams. I think it's probably in the teens, low 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Marshall defense is really good, particularly at linebacker. Um, so I expect it to be a low-scoring game, and in those games, it kind of comes down to mistakes. I, I look, Vegas favors Marshall. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who I would pick to win this game if I was picking it. It'd be about a coin flip for me. So it's an exciting game to call. Roddy Jones, ESPN college football analyst, and like he said, he will be calling Virginia Tech at Marshall. I'm hoping the game of the weekend is going to be Florida State Clemson. Do you think this ends up being a great game, or or will Florida State blow Clemson out? I mean, because Clemson has a shot here to kind of tell tell all the haters, "Hey, we're still here. We still run the ACC." That Duke game was a fluke. How do you think this plays out? Yeah, it's you know it's hard to pick against Clemson in Death Valley. It's hard to doubt Clemson when their backs are against the wall for everything that they've built. But it is such a flawed roster, man. That that I have kind of gotten to the point where I see this going more more times than not Florida State's way. Like, yeah. I, I always kind of go back to the, let's look at it. If these two teams were to play 10 times, who wins? Um, and even on the road, I feel like Florida State is poised to be able to do it. Now, the one thing that could throw that off is if Clemson's defensive line comes out and absolutely dominates that Florida State offensive line. Uh, if the, if the, the corners of, of Clemson can hold up against those Florida State receivers. Neither one of those things are outside the realm of possibility. Like, I would not be shocked if both of those things happen. Clemson's got really good corners. Nate Wiggins has the body and athleticism of a first-round corner. Now, he has to play like one to get there, but, but in terms of intangible or in terms of tangible things that you can see that make, uh, make corners NFL traffic, he's got them. Um, Sheridan Jones is a really experienced guy. They've got – uh, a couple of young sophomores who are coming off the bench, and Toriano Pride and Jamie Lucas, who are both highly tied. The safety room is really good, particularly when Andrew Makubu is healthy. So uh, I do think there are some places where Clemson's defense can be got. Um, they haven't always tackled the best. They didn't tackle great against Duke. Uh, I think Makuba at, at nickel is a good cover guy. I don't think he's great. Um, so I think you could find some matchups there. Uh, but Wes Goodwin does a lot with that defense, and I would expect that they would give Florida State some looks that they that they uh, haven't seen. Uh, but I think Florida State has too many too many paths to victory. They can beat you running the football. They can beat you throwing the football. They can beat you in the trenches. They can beat you with their skill um, on both sides of the ball. So I think Florida State probably wins it. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like if if you we were talking next week and you said and you know Clemson won by a touchdown, it would shock me. I, I'd be a little surprised. I mean Clemson would play their best game of the year. Uh, but it certainly wouldn't shock me. Roddy, great stuff, man. I appreciate it. That's Roddy Jones, ESPN college football analyst. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, you got it. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. All right, the boys at Sporting News came up with their best NFL Week 3 predictions. We go through them next on NFL Hits. And just like that. 
The NFL is back, and I need to let all my listeners know that primetime games are always available for free live on the Odyssey app. If you're driving around your car from Westwood One, you can listen to the NFL live on the Odyssey app, including tonight's game, Giants against the 49ers. So you can listen to the games right here on 910 The Fan or on the Odyssey app. We've also got a ton of sports podcasts for you to check out. We have NFL play-by-play. Uh, you've got upper hand fantasy. There's all many, all these great things that you can get for NFL content, and it's always available around the country on the Odyssey app. Download it today for free, and just search AWOD Radio to hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m. Download the app today. A U D A C Y only available for fans, and it's always free. That's why I love the Odyssey app. All right, sporting news, like I mentioned. Went through and picked the best games of the NFL Week 3. And here is what the pundit said on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup. Every head coach on the hot seat. The hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, Stubbs. So we always talk about, like, the national reporters, you know, not really understanding what's going on locally here. I just love how Sporting News is honest and they say... Our national pundits are below 500. They're 15 and 17 against the spread, but they believe these picks will get them on the right side of the 500 mark. I'm going to disagree. All right, give me a ding or a dong here for each game based on my decision. New York at the San Francisco 49ers, minus 10. They believe the Niners win in cover. I believe the Niners win, but the Giants cover that spread. It's Thursday night football. It's going to be lower scoring. Uh, The Giants will find a way to keep this within a touchdown. San Francisco wins. Giants cover the spread. Titans at the Cleveland Browns. Spread is four and a half. They believe that the Titans pull off the upset. Once again, AWOD disagrees. I really like the Cleveland Browns this year. Look, I get it. There's no Nick Chubb anymore. But Ford was putting his foot in the dirt and running just as physically as Nick Chubb. The Browns offense has some playmakers. Deshaun Watson's been able to keep plays alive. Defensively, they've been awesome. And the Titans have a ton of issues. They shouldn't have beaten the Chargers. Brandon Staley gave that victory away by not calling timeout. Titans lose this week to the Browns. Falcons at Detroit Lions. Lions minus five, four and a half. They believe the Lions win and cover. I'm on I'm on board with the guys at, at Sporting News here. Uh, Detroit had so much momentum at the end of last season. They've picked up right where they left off. That impressive win uh, week one. I mean, a really impressive win over the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, ser- I mean, not the 49ers, over the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, seriously, nobody picked that game. Week two, you have the loss to the Seahawks. They should have won that game, though. They really should have won that game. I, I kind of think Geno Smith got lucky with the second touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett as they come from behind there in the fourth quarter defeat, to defeat the Lions. This week, I like the Lions over the Falcons. New Orleans at the Green Bay Packers. The spread is minus one and a half in favor of Green Bay. Basically, a pick em game here. Sporting News says the Pack win in cover. Awad likes the Saints. Stop. Awad likes the Saints this year. Here's why. All right. I am a big fan of Derek Carr. I I can't hide it. I went on these airwaves right here and picked him to be MVP last year. That blew up in my face, and the Vegas Raiders were terrible. But the Saints this year have been able to run the ball. Michael Thomas is back, and they're getting him involved. Chris Alave with an impressive catch every single week. I think the Pack are a little overrated. 
Um, they lost to the Falcons. They're coming off a loss to the Falcons. You think I'm going to pick them against the Saints? No, thank you. Denver at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins minus seven. Sporting News believes the Dolphins win and cover. That would be bad news for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And I'm predicting bad news for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Give me the Dolphins to win, the most impressive offense. And I have them as my top dog in my power, uh, power rankings right now. Dolphins, best team in the NFL. Like I said, I have the 49ers, two, and the Cowboys, three. Chargers at Vikings. Chargers favored in this contest by a point and a half. They believe the Vikings pull off the upset. Look, I'm picking the Vikings here, but don't give me a ding or a dong on this one because it, it, the only reason I'm picking the Minnesota Vikings in this game, in all honesty, the only reason I'm picking the Minnesota Vikings in this game against the Chargers is because I don't believe they're an 0-3 football team. They were, I mean, they lost a close one to the Bucks. They lost a close one Thursday night football to the Eagles. I think they get past the Chargers and go to 1-2. and two. Um, Let's move over to Patriots at the Jets. Minus 2.5 in favor of the Pats. Oh, poof. I don't even want to, I don't even want to pick this game. Stub, you pick it. Who do you like, Pats or Jets? I'm going to go with the Pats. All right, we'll go That's with the what Pats I'm here. Feeling. We'll go with the Pats. Uh, that means you're agreeing with the boys at Sporting, Sporting News. Um, Bills at Commanders. You know I'll pick my boys. You know I'll pick my boys. Washington going to get the win. It's a race to 30 points. Give me Commanders to win that game 31-27. to Houston at the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is a large spread right there. The second biggest spread of the weekend. First one being tonight. The Niners picked to win by 10. Jags picked to win by 9.5. Uh, give me the Jags to win this game, but not to cover. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with the guys at Sporting News. Jags win, but they don't cover. I do think, look, see, I don't believe in any of the rookie quarterbacks, but C.J. Stroud has been the best of the three. Speaking of rookie quarterbacks, you get rookie Anthony Richardson at Baltimore. On the road, tough environment. Ravens' defense has been great getting after the quarterback. That offense is humming. Ravens win and cover. I do agree with Sporting News. Um, Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. I, I hate the Panthers. I just don't know how you could watch the Panthers game and watch Bryce Young fumble the ball over and over again, throw interceptions, take sack after sack, and line up behind the guard in the National Football League. In any football league, the center snaps the football. Bryce Young hasn't been paying attention. Seahawks win and cover. Dallas at the Arizona Cardinals. I, I actually don't think the Cardinals are that bad. Uh, you know, look, I predicted them to be 3-14 and 14 as we look at my predictions. it was the I predicted them to be the worst team in the National Football League. I don't think they played like the worst team in the National Football League. Yes, they're 0-2. And yes, they blew leads two weeks in a row. Uh, I think they covered the spread. I mean, that's 12 and a half points for the Cowboys to cover. Basically, two touchdowns. The Cardinals' uh, defense is going to be good enough to get a couple turnovers from Dak Prescott. Cowboys win, but they don't cover the spread. Bears at Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by 12 and a half in this game. And I'm really considering taking the Chiefs in this one for our survivor pool. Look, I, I haven't picked the Chiefs yet, so... I picked the Ravens and the Cowboys. I wanted to save the Chiefs till later, but this is such a easy victory, it looks like. There is nightmares going on in Chicago right now, right? Their defense coordinator may or may not have been raided by the FBI. Doesn't matter. He resigned. They're going to have a new DC on Sunday. Offensively, Justin Fields 
looks terrible. He's running into his offensive lineman and getting sacked. Chiefs win. Chiefs cover. Um, Steelers at Vegas. Give me Vegas to win this game. Eagles at Bucks. Eagles win and cover. Rams at Bengals. I just I'm gonna say the same thing that I said about the Vikings, right? You look at this Cincinnati Bengals team. On paper, they should be excellent. Their record is 0-2. I don't believe they're an 0-3 football team. Give me the win over the LA Rams. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910-833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan now at 105.1 FM. Richmond's home for the Flying Squirrels. And tonight, the Squirrels are in Erie, Pennsylvania for game two of this three-game playoff series in the Southwest Divisional Series. Squirrels lost the first game at home at the Diamond 5 to nothing. They've got to win tonight to keep their season alive. And after the little tiff that I got into with the play-by-play broadcaster for the Erie Seawolves. It's personal. It's personal tonight. Let's go Flying Squirrels. We'll break that game down in about 15 minutes. But joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, he covers VCU basketball and high school football for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. It's our buddy Zach Joaquin. What's going on, Zach? Adam, what's up, man? Is the the Erie Seawolves announcer, are they messing with you? Oh, dude. They took a shot at me on Twitter. They basically said, if you're going to talk smack, say it to my face. And I said, the door was open for you to walk in, and we could have had an on-air discussion. He chose to be a keyboard warrior, and that's what we're dealing with, Zach. <laughs> that's a shame because you're, you're a great guy. Man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't think uh, Greg Ganaya uh, agrees with you, but you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. All right, so what is the game of the week in high school football here in Richmond? I, I hope the squirrels get the Seawolves back for you here. Um, game, game of the week, man, definitely tonight. Um, undefeated Hopewell at reigning Class 4 champions Dinwiddie. That game got moved up. It was originally scheduled for Friday, but it's looking like there's going to be some weather in the area possibly on Friday, so they moved it up to tonight. Um, there's going to be a really fun one, man. Two of the, of the most talented players in the Central District and Dinwiddie quarterback, Harry Dalton, um, and Hopewell running back and linebacker, Keyshawn Henderson. Let, let's start with the Blue Devils, uh, Ricky Irby. Coach Ricky Irby got his 100th career win last week. Big accomplishment for him. Obviously runs one of the area's most successful programs down there in Hopewell. And the third in the line of brother running backs. we got Keyshawn Henderson is the star guy for Hopewell right now, right? Brother of Travion Henderson, obviously, at Ohio State right now. And Ronnie Walker, who both have helped Hopewell um, to state titles and, and a bunch of success over the past decade. Um, Keyshawn trying to carry on that legacy, and they're off to a great start. Beat Lake Taylor 42 to 25 the other week. Um, that's another one of the of the big dogs in Class Three, and so Hopewell will be feeling like they can play with the best statewide in their classification. Um, enormous test going to Dinwiddie, one of the area's best environments. First of all, I've been trying to prepare myself mentally for the cannon out there because every time I go out there and the general score a touchdown, the cannon scares me and I jump, and so I'm trying to be prepared for it this time. Um, <laughs> But but quarterback Harry Dalton, man, is the reigning call Metro player of the year for us. Everything runs through him. Yeah. Um, he's going to carry the ball a lot. Zach. But he can certainly push it downfield as well. And Raphael Tucker for them is going to be a, a great game on the ground, man. Zach, it feels like we haven't heard Harry Dalton's name as much so far this season as last year. Has he struggled or just tough opponents for Dinwiddie? 
I think just tough opponents. Look, they've got two blowout victories um, over teams that they're supposed to beat. And then their two losses are to – they went to Ohio um, and, and lost to a perennial state title contender over there in a big, early in August in a big road trip. And then they lost to Maury last week, and Maury just beat Highland Springs mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, who's still our top-ranked team. Maury was in the Class 5 state championship. They're among the best teams in the state. And so, no, I, I think it's just been – Dinwiddie's had a couple of really great opponents that they lost to, and then their two wins are, are blowouts. And so this is kind of the first test for them when a team that they're going to be favored against, but it's a really strong Hopewell program. And so I think you, you should be here in Harry Dalton's name a great fit tonight uh, if you haven't already much this season. Zach Joaquin with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, running around high school football here in Richmond with the Richmond Times-Dispatch high school football beat reporter, Zach Joaquin. Let's get to Friday Night Lights, Huguenot Powhatan. How do you think that game plays out? I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I have a wedding rehearsal on Friday night, unfortunately, and so I won't be at a game, but I wish I could go to that one. Uh, My colleague Melanie Martinez is going to cover it for us. There should be a lot of points is my expectation there. It's two of the area's best passing attacks. Uh, Matthew Lehman is the Powhatan quarterback. And his receivers that he's been hooking up with a lot this year are Ben Whitford and Matt Henderson. They've been putting up a ton of points. Lost to Manchester is their one loss on the season. In relatively impressive fashion, put up 28 points against the Lancers. That game was a shootout. And then, man, Huguenot. I've heard people say, and I've said it a couple times myself, they're kind of the Colorado of the local scene right now. Um, Charles Scott's the head coach over there in his first year, previously at Life Christian. And they've got two blowout wins to start the year. This is their first real test. Um, against a strong Powhatan program that's always well coached by Mike Henderson and always disciplined. Um, and two teams that are capable of putting up a lot of points. Huguenot quarterback Jason Wright broke the area passing re- uh, touchdown record in a game with seven a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ivion Lewis is his freshman receiver who's been getting plenty of D1 looks recruiting wise. Big talent, 6'2, 185, can go up and get it. And so that, that quarterback receiver combinations that I've mentioned there, I think should, uh, should put up a lot of points on Friday. And that one's going to be a lot of fun off of Forest Hill Avenue. 910 The Fan is the home for our game of the week, high school football game of the week with Gary Hess and Gary Criswell. And this week, they will be at Hermitage for Hermitage against Godwin. Godwin 4 0 to start the season. We broke it down yesterday. Should be a good one. That one has the best narratives. Weldon Bradshaw uh, is going out to cover that one for us, and, and he's been covering games in the area for decades, and he explicitly requested that game on Friday because I think that narrative-wise, that one's the most fun. First-year Godwin coach Earl Kinney right, was a longtime Hermitage assistant, and so it's a bit of a homecoming for him. Um, and I think the, the Eagles are just the feel-good story of the area so far this year. They're 4-0 for the first time since 2000. They got a bit of a, an, an air of magic about them, I think. Had a blocked extra point in overtime to beat Patrick Henry 14-13 a couple weeks ago. And then last week against Hanover, uh, the comeback of the year in the area, certainly. They were down 21 nothing in the second half. And then quarterback Daniel Viner led them all the way back to a 24-21 uh, a victory when Dom Williams hit the game-winning uh, kick late on in that one. Uh, but it's a good Hermitage team for sure. Hermitage beat PH 7-6. And so it seems like Hermitage-Godwin pretty evenly matched Hermitage has some great speedy playmakers and quarterback Ben Yaney, running back Erlante Winston. And keep an eye on the name Andre Clark Jr. He's just a sophomore for Hermitage. Um, he is one of the area's top recruits in the class of 2026, if not the area's top recruit. Um, two-way standout defensive back and receiver. A lot goes through him on both sides of the ball for Hermitage. That one should be a lot of fun, and I think there's going to be a lot of mutual respect there between Coach Kenny and Coach Jean-Pierre 
uh, with Coach Kenny having been on his staff for a while there. So that one's kind of the feel-good game and has the most fun narratives around it this Friday. Follow Zach on social media at Zach Joaquin, reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch covering high school football. Any other games you wanted to preview? Yeah, Matoka Colonial Heights. Um, that, that's another one that I kind of wish that I could be at. Friday night, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a bigger stylistic contrast offensively, right? Matoica loves to air it out. Their quarterback, Riley Justice, was just our 8-4 or four varsity player of the week after he had five touchdown passes in the last game. Uh, big big play receivers, Bryce Yates and Dylan Newton Short, are his two weapons. And so the Warriors are going to throw the ball a lot. Colonial Heights is 3-0, and oh, man. Colonial Heights hasn't beaten uh, Matoica since, I believe, 1991. Um, 32 consecutive victories for the for the Warriors, and so that Central District District series, the Colonials have got to feel like this is their best chance to take down the Warriors in a long time. Zamarian Mason uh, is the Colonial Heights quarterback. He's been running all over everyone this year. They've only allowed three points through three games too, so that Colonial Heights defense is stout. Um, the Colonials are going to try and establish it on the grounds and wear down Matoka. Matoka is going to try and air it out. Really big stylistic contrast between two Central District rivals that know one another well, and that one's going to be a lot of fun. Zach, I just got an email today about the A10 Media Day coming up next month. How fired up are you for VCU basketball action to return to the stew? I'm so excited, and I think that this city is so excited. I mean, Adam, we, you know VCU basketball very well. Do you remember in, in recent memory more anticipation and energy going into a year than, than this? Because I don't. Um, obviously, with the coaching and roster turnover, so many new faces, the local kids narrative is a lot of fun. And, and I've been reading, you know, the, the season previews are starting to come out by all the different outlets and stuff, and people are really interested to talk about this VCU team yeah. because nobody really knows what to expect. Um, you know, in, in the age of roster mobility in college basketball, this is kind of a Petri dish, right? Like, this is a, a case study that I think a lot of people are intrigued to see how it plays out with a new coach coming in, a coach who perhaps on paper wants to play a style of basketball that contrasts with the style of basketball that you've known, everyone has known VCU for for a long time now and havoc and defensive pressure and everything. And Ryan obviously wants to, to get out and run and perhaps play a more fluid offensive system. And so between that contrast, between the roster turnover, between the local kids, I don't remember more excitement going into a VCU basketball season. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of my freshman year, which was uh, you know the year after the Final Four run, when we brought back Bradford Burgess, Darius Theus, and, and Troy Daniels and had a ton of talent. There was a ton of excitement for that season. Uh, but great stuff and good point, Zach. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show today. Adam, thank you so much for having me on, man. Always good to talk. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. Final segment coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the home of the Flying Squirrels. Tonight, the Flying Squirrels face off against the Erie Seawolves, the AA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers in Game 2 of the Southwest Divisional Series in Erie. It's a best-of-three series. Richmond needs a win to force a decisive Game 3 on Friday night. That game will also be in Erie. And after facing off last year in the Southwest Divisional Series, the Flying Squirrels and Seawolves meet again in this year's Eastern League postseason. And last year, Erie took the series from the Squirrels at the Diamond, and Game 1, they took the game from the Squirrels at the Diamond. 
So look, it's the Flying Squirrels against the Erie Seawolves. And personally, it's AWOD against Greg Gunea. The Flying Squirrels against the Seawolves. For me, it's personal. What is it today? It's what? I said it's what? He took a shot at me on Twitter, so it's what? They beat us last year, so it's what? They beat us at home, so it's what? And after the game, it's going to be what? It's personal between the Squirrels and the Seawolves. It's personal, baby. We are not letting the season end tonight. I can tell you that. I can tell you that right now. Flying Squirrels are going to get the win tonight and force a decisive Game 3 on Friday night. This is the Squirrels' fourth postseason appearance. 2011, 14, 2022, and now 2023. We've made it now. Two years in a row to the postseason. It's time we start making some noise in the postseason. Let's get a victory tonight over the Erie Seawolves. In case you missed it, I broadcast live from the Diamond earlier this week. Ahead of Game 1 of the series. Did a great show. Thought I was getting everybody excited. Decided... I don't like the Erie Seawolves. I don't like the city of Erie. I don't like the state of Pennsylvania. I can't stand their stupid logo. Like, honestly, what the hell is a Seawolf? Like, Christopher, what the hell is a Seawolf? You know, because I know what a flying squirrel is. I've always known what a flying squirrel is. It's a majestic animal that flies through the sky. But I don't know what a Seawolf is. I know their logo's stupid, and it looks like a pirate, like they're an affiliate of Pittsburgh, but they're not. They're from Detroit. You have to understand... There's a backstory here. All right, this is a rivalry between the Seawolves and the Flying Squirrels, and there has been a rivalry since last year. All right? And so maybe I went off the rails a little bit earlier this week. I decided, the final segment as a fan, look, I've lived here in Richmond for four years as a grad. All right, went to VCU. Now a year and a half living back in Richmond working on the radio. I personally feel like this is my home team now. And that's how a home team fan would feel. You'd hate the opponent, right? You'd hate everything about them. Their players, their coaches, their GM, their CEO, and especially their broadcast booth. Who the hell would want to listen to the Erie Seawolves? All right? Now, I didn't know I would upset the other team's broadcaster, and he would decide to be a keyboard warrior and take a shot at me on social media. And that's why it's personal. That's why it's personal. All right? That's just... I wasn't trying to be personal with him. I was just trying to be entertaining, trying to do a fun show. I have always lived by the policy that I will talk smack as much as anyone until I meet you. At that point, I'm going to make a judgment, and then it's fair game. I have not met either of the Erie broadcasters, nor do I have any interest in meeting them. And it appears that they don't have any interest in introducing themselves to me because they were sitting right next to me while I was broadcasting and decided to take a shot on Twitter. I'm not going to wait around while this guy sucks his thumb and is prepping for a minor league broadcast to introduce himself. No thank you. Onwards and upwards. Who is this guy? Where the hell is Erie? You know, I actually, I know one person from Erie, all right? I know one person from Erie. They did everything possible to get the F out of Erie. They get the hell out of there. And then you know what? They got some money, and they said, you know what? I want to put some money back into Erie. Put some money back into my hometown. Oh, I said, oh, are you going to move back? They said, you know what? I can't stay in Erie for longer than two months, and then I want to hate myself again. And honestly, I'd love to be canceled by all of Erie, Pennsylvania, right? I mean, what are the best cities to be canceled by? That's why I said Texas, El Paso, Cheyenne, Wyoming, 
Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie sucks. Their baseball team sucks. Their broadcaster is a keyboard warrior. The entire organization is just a pawn compared to the king, the top dog of minor league baseball. That's the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Minor league baseball attendance champions. The best for single A, double A, or triple A. Hosted a playoff game, filled crowd Tuesday night. A Tuesday night game. Tuesday night. It's the best show in town year after year after year. The Flying Squirrels. They are a machine compared to this makeshift organization that the Seawolves are. Again, what the F is a Seawolf? Who the heck is Greg Gania, and why is he trying to call me out on Twitter when I'm sitting right next to him? I'm sitting right next to him uh, uploading a podcast. Eerie is for people who enjoy long nights of arguing politics and um, talking batting averages. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on Eerie. For me, Christopher, for me, it's personal. It's personal. What is it today? It's personal. It's it's what? He took a shot at me on Twitter, so it's what? They beat us last year in the playoffs, so it's what? They beat us at home earlier this week, so it's what? And after the game, it's going to be what? Let's go Flying Squirrels. Have fun. Go nuts. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM. Every Thursday at 2.45, we give out AWOD's Certified Game of the Week. This is AWOD's Certified Game of the Week. Officially recognized as the NFL game this weekend that is certain to meet the qualifications or viewing standards set by football guys around the country. Touchdown! 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 Diving for the left pylon! He's in for the touchdown! Guaranteed to be a football guy's football game. All right, week one, I went with Bills versus the Jets. Most watched Monday Night Football game in five years. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Certified Game of the Week, yeah, yeah, that'll do. Week two, I went with the Chiefs against the Jags. The playoff matchup turned out to be a, a good game, but low scoring. It was not the most entertaining game of the week. I think most people would agree. The game of the week was the was the Broncos against the Commanders. Once Russell Wilson converted that Hail Mary, you locked it in. That was the game of the week. It, it should have been. I mean, you don't have Hail Marys happen very often. That was the game in which Washington had 18 points they trailed by on the road. Their largest road comeback since 2005. Yeah, you like that. You like that. All right, AWOD certified game of the week, week three. And like I mentioned, I think Commanders-Broncos was the most entertaining game. And that's why my certified game of the week for week three is going to be the Buffalo Bills traveling to Washington to face off against the Commanders. The one-in-one Bills on the road on CBS 1 p.m. kickoff FedEx Field against the Washington Commanders. This is a sold-out game. Second time in a row this season, the Commanders have a sellout. Buffalo, Bills Mafia, they travel. You know it's going to be entertaining. You know the stadium is going to be electric. Two quarterbacks that have both thrown for 500 yards in the first two weeks of the regular season. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Three touchdown passes for Sam Howell, one on the ground. Four touchdown passes for Josh Allen. Also three interceptions. Something to keep an eye on this weekend. So we will preview the game throughout the show tomorrow. Give you my keys to victory, X-Factors, and more. But AWOD certified game of the week for week three. Yeah, I'm taking the Commander's Bills 1 o'clock game. I mean, there are a few good games. And like I told you guys yesterday, I do think the Monday night games are both three-star games. 
because I think they're you could go either way with them. I mean, Eagles, Bucks, both teams are undefeated. Rams, Bengals, I don't think Bengals are going to go 0-3. Those should be entertaining. But AWOD certified game of the week, week three. Give me the commanders at home against the Buffalo Bills. Appreciate everyone listening to the show today. Thanks to my special guest, David Harrison, Roddy Jones, and Stubb, the new nickname for Christopher. Great job producing the show, Stubb. Talk to you tomorrow at 12 noon. It's Grant and Danny coming up next.